Hi, and welcome to a Dad's Path podcast. We're real dads solving everyday problems. Each week we tackle issues that dads everywhere face and deliver actions you can take right away. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. Our goal is to help you make fatherhood count. Dad on. Welcome to another episode of A Dad's Path Podcast. I'm Will Bronstein. Today I'm here with Chris Phillips. Chris is one of the most thoughtful and well-read dads that I know. He's also a close friend of mine. We are fortunate to have him with us today. I want to start with how you switch gears. So how you go from work mode to family mode, either when you get home or in any situation. How do you make that switch? That is a really good question. Right off the bat, I don't know how to answer that, but I'll just tell a story. Right now, I'm 15 minutes away from home. And in the morning, I take Branson to school. So 15 minutes to school and then a few minutes to work. And I think having that buffer gives me time from going in my head, getting work done, right? How do we wrap up that task? How do I put this down for the day to... I am now able to, when I walk in the door, I'm happy to be home. So having a little buffer time and space uh, has really been helping. And in that space, I usually will listen to music that I enjoy, or I will, yeah, I think about three things, listen to music that I enjoy. I'll pray, you know, depending on what's been going on for the day. And I'll also make phone calls to family on the way home. That really gets me out of the headspace of being at work and ready to be home and take on a whole new role. Awesome. I like that. Okay, cool. So let's discuss topics now. I think that's a good approach, but I wanted to catch you while you were switching gears. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, no. How do you switch gears? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, for me, it's mostly actively knowing I'm trying to switch gears. In other words, you know, both in my mind saying it's time to switch gears and then music is great. And anything else that changes my physiology. So breathing is really good. You know, breathing exercise, something to make me feel different internally, going from work mode to family mode to dad mode. So that's how I approach it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that's one of the biggest things that I struggle with when I'm working from home. I don't want to leave work mode. I need to get work done. I don't want to leave work mode to be in family mode sometimes. And then that creates frustration for me. Like, okay, now I'm finally leaving work mode. I'm in family mode. So yeah, intentionally wanting to be in the other mode. Yeah, being intentional. That's so much of fatherhood, right? Yes. Setting intentions, both for you and your kids. So good parenting content that I have found. I have not added a lot to my repertoire of what I'm going out to and looking at for content. Years ago, you told me about a gal named Barbara Coloroso. I read her book, Kids Are Worth It. I still lean on a lot of the values in there as well as the philosophy. How are we going to approach our kids? How do we help them grow into whole human beings? So I really appreciated her. Um, lately, uh, Matthew Chandler. So just listening. He's a pastor out of Dallas-Fort Worth. And just listening to sermons, he's a passionate father. You'll pick up some things along the way. But he also took time with another friend. I don't know his name off the top of my head. 
to write a book called Family Discipleship. And that I've been digging into lately and I've been enjoying what that has to offer to our daily life. I, I'm just trying to think like some depth, right? I've just shared two people, two books, um, but like what have I really gained out of either one of them lately? As we go in to talk about the other questions, these resources will come up because they're definitely something I lean on. But just a big picture one for family discipleship, it's talking about the rhythm of your day. And one of the biggest arguments right off the bat is, hey, your children are being discipled every day. Do you want to be a part of that? Are you leading that? Or are you kind of punting and let everybody else tell your children how they should feel, what they should care about, how they should treat themselves, how they should treat others? Or are you taking a intentional, active approach into that world where you're with them, you're helping guide them, and this comes from your love and your great care for your children. So that would be a summary of why I really enjoy getting into that book. Kids are worth it. I think the biggest one that I enjoyed here is that we'll talk about it a little bit with chores today, but one of her points around praise and consequences, we really shouldn't be pushing either side hugely. We should let natural consequences roll in. We really shouldn't steer our children by giving them huge amounts of praise to push a direction for them. I really enjoyed that. Another of her main content is trying to parent, I want to say naturally, that might not be it, but if your kids are in real danger, what, what we want is we want a whole human being at the end of the day. So how are we going to get that? Well, we really don't want it just to be external forces, moms and dads and teachers and everybody else telling your children, again, what to do, how to think. We want them to grow questions and grow their understanding and their foundation from inside out, if you will. Making sure you help with that process that you're helping lead the learning that your kids are getting, you know, no matter what. Yeah. Do you want to play a part or? Yeah. And I think there's a great intersection of both books and probably probably why I love both of them for parenting. Yeah, no, those are great. You brought up chores and that was something I wanted to talk about for personal reasons, but also for everyone else. What's working for you with getting Branson to do some chores or not, you know, or what's not working? Well, one, nothing here is perfected. <laughs> Two, we, we are happy for any help he is able and willing to give. But here's my dream. I want to be the family that gets done with dinner and we all help each other, take our plates over to the sink, go together and wash the dishes. We are very much the family and we have been for a long time. We get done with dinner and we, you know, maybe clear the table, maybe don't clear the table. And then we have a pile of the dishes and it's somebody's job while everybody's off and ready for bedtime or already sleeping. It's somebody's job to then go clean up the mess. No, we all created the mess. I want us to be together as a family and learn that work is a joyful thing. Like we can make jokes while we're doing dishes. We can listen to good music. We can enjoy the time together while we're doing chores. Now, that's the dream. We're far from it. So very simply, I want to be the family who does the dishes together. I think that's our biggest thing that gets Branson into doing chores. If he gets his way, like just his natural bent, like he's not doing chores. 
he doesn't see the value in having clean clothes or dishes done. Every now and then, like our house is a disaster and he kind of gets the point like, oh, yeah, having some clean pants that I like would be nice. Or, you know, we were out of bowls. How am I going to have cereal? So we bump into some natural consequences every now and then. And I think that's good for him to see because then I think it helps him understand that the biggest thing with him doing chores his help is needed and we appreciate it. I steer far away from Branson. You're going to get this if you do this. I don't believe that style works once he leaves the house. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's got to want to do it because he wants to be a helper. You know, when I look around in my life, man, I love some people in my life who are just helpers. They just show up. Hey, you're moving. I'm there. I'm with you. I will help you do that. You're having a tough time in life. I'm there. I'm with you. I'll help you do it. Everything's going really well. That same friend. I'm there. I'm with you. Like, let's celebrate. We're talking about chores, but what I really love in other people, and I want to see in my son, would be this feeling that he is needed when he sees something that needs help, a chore or a person. Like, he is needed. He is appreciated if he jumps in. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to teach that, but I would say probably the most powerful is through modeling. And I can say knowing you on a personal level, he's got a great model for that. You're someone who I know I can count on for moving or for whatever I would need. You do have that going for you. And you mentioned rhythm, which I thought was interesting. Could you talk about that a little bit more? Is that like getting in the habit of doing something or? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So I mentioned it and then I I totally went somewhere else. We wake up in the morning, right? What are you doing next? Like, do you make your bed next or do you pick out your clothes next? Like just getting a pattern where it's no longer complicated. It's actually really easy because you just have a process. But it's almost like, again, back to the dishes example, that's a rhythm. You be together, you enjoy that time, then you go work together, you do the dishes, then you're done. Maybe you're done with your chores for the day after that point. Like, And then we are, hey, pajamas and relax. And so just rhythms that there's time to work, there's time to get ready for school. There's While you're at school, there's time to do all those things. While you're home, there's maybe some quiet time. One thing we've been trying to do, like a rhythm of you get home, you empty your backpack. If there's papers that you have brought home, bring them out of your backpack, your snack, right? Like if you have trash or a Tupperware from your snack, let's get that to the dishes, your water bottle, let's get it out. Do you want to keep using it? Little things, but a rhythm of when we're in our normal routine, like we just do these things before we do the next thing. That leads to kind of gates. So there's times, yeah, Branson's like, I'm not doing the dishes. And one thing I think picked up from Barbara's book was, hey, you know what? It's really not an option whether you're going to help with the dishes or not. What I'm going to ask you is not whether you want to do the dishes. I'm going to ask you, do you want to do the dishes in five minutes or in 15 minutes? And then he has a decision of like, okay, yeah. The other piece of that is we don't control a ton of things for Branson. We have books out everywhere. And we have toys out everywhere. So we're not going to take away all his books and his toys. And like he can't, he just has to sit on his bed. That would be just a, a nightmare to try to enforce this stuff. If he says no, I really can't enforce it, you know. But what I can do is call him to action, be like, hey, need your help. Like if we don't do the dishes tonight, this piles up. We're out of bowls. What you going to do for cereal? We're eating now mugs? Okay, fine. Like we can be creative. This piles up and becomes a bigger problem. 
we appreciate your help. I enjoy you with me. I enjoy us getting this done. Let's try to make it fun. But we're not going to do the next step in our rhythm till this is done. So if you're thinking you would like to get on the computer, now some things we do have control of, if you're thinking like you'd like to get on the computer and work on, there's a couple different programs for coding. The program they use at school might as well just be a video game, but it's helping them learn coding. In math, you know, they're gamified. And, and so he, he really enjoys doing those a few times a week on the computer. Like, well, we're not going to be moving on to that next till we're done with it. And the next things don't happen till this happens. Some days this works out super well and we're setting a five minute timer to take out the dishes and we're like team getting it done and some, you know, like right at the buzzer, are we going to get that last piece of silverware put away? That's a lot of fun. And some days we're just, no, it's not happening and I'm, I'm doing the dishes on my own. That's great. I love that gate concept. And I also think it's important what you said at the end, you're trying to teach your kid or your kids the right habits. And it's okay if there's a day where they're just in a different place and they are not able to <laughs> to do what they know they should do. Because we all get like that. So as parents, I think it's also giving the space to say, okay, this lesson doesn't need to be learned in the next three weeks. If we take a day off, if we you know go at the right pace, again, if we model after ourselves, do the right actions, then the right lessons I think we'll get through. I agree. Are there any thoughts that you have you want to throw into the chores mix? Because we don't have this down. We are working, we are trying. Always love to be learning from those around me or whoever I can get access to that is heading down the same path or is further along than I am. Well, certainly not further along, but to add to your, you know, do you want to do this in five or 15 minutes? This probably goes without saying, but setting a, a loud timer, <laughs> <laughs> not just a timer and say, hey, I set a timer and when it goes off, it's time, you know, so then there still might be a discussion, but that really helps minimize it, I think, so they know it's coming and when they hear it, maybe they're more likely to acquiesce. Yeah, yeah. We have some friends who they set their Alexa alarm. It's just set every night for their bedtime routine. So Alexa comes on and says, it is time to get ready for bed. And that's really worked out well for them. Sticking on that, uh, we have a fish. We have one little beta fish that uh, one of Branson's friends, he was moving out of the state and he gave Branson this beta fish because they couldn't take him along. So he gets fed at or she, sorry, Esther, she gets fed at 5.15 every night. And he's been doing a really great job. Every time that alarm goes off, he either goes immediately and feeds her, which is like 90% of the time, or he'll ask for help if he's in the middle of something. And he's taken ownership of that. And the fish is alive. We've had... We've had Esther for like eight months. It might be the, you know, we, we kill plants all the time, um, but this fish is living and it's, um, it's neat to see. That's awesome. Sounds like for whatever reason, it's caught on with him. And uh, has he started agitating for bigger pets? Not really. And I don't think we hang around a ton of people who have who have pets. I already know the answer for are we getting a pet in this season of life? No, no, we aren't. There are plenty of reasons why uh, that just would make life a little, a little more challenging than we want. So 
very glad for our little step into uh, pet ownership with our fish ester. That's perfect. And you said it correctly, I think, you know, for you guys and for a lot of us, same with us, this isn't the right season. But I do know a lot of families who once they get out of the sort of young, young kid age and the kids appreciate, again, the responsibility uh, that they need to do, that's a good time to potentially get a pet. Now, if you have allergies, that might be another different story. Yeah, we always had a dog um, or two dogs growing up. And I absolutely loved that, you know, friendship, really, at the end of the day, or that's what I very much felt like. I don't know how much I was in charge, if I'm thinking back, I don't know how much I was in charge of making sure they were fed, but I definitely did help out and uh, very much helped out in the backyard scooping up dog poop, so. Yeah. <laughs> Very important skill. <laughs> well, learning life lessons, one scoop at a time. Right. Well, you learned the literal lesson as a kid and then uh, metaphorically, it feels like uh, <laughs> it keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what do you want to move to next? Do you have a topic in mind or do you want me to keep going? Complete segue. But one thing I've been learning from Branson, and I'm sure I'm going to learn from Asher as he starts growing, chatting and asking questions. Where did our ability to just ask for stuff we want go? Like while I'm parenting Branson, I don't want to belittle or berate or, or I don't want to crush his asking questions. I want him asking questions and I want him to be okay with the answer. No. And it's stinks when we get in a head-to-head battle, right, where I want him to be okay with me answering no, and he's not. But I also need to be okay with the conflict. Like, it doesn't need to turn into a big deal. But I really love that just inquisitiveness and that if I'm expecting a no, most of the time, do you think I'm asking the question? Yeah, probably not. But I should be. I should be asking ridiculous questions like, hey, could you do this for me? That's one of the great, I would think, paradoxes that I'm wrestling with in parroting, where it's you really want a kid who turns into an adult who's going to advocate for themselves, who's going to create you know, their ideal life and things that are all take activity, being proactive. But as a kid, like I just want him to listen to me. I don't want him to question. <laughs> but it's not like there's a sudden switch that goes up. Oh, you're an adult. Now you're you know, there. It's sort of a training ground. It's not always the easiest, but it is good to keep that sort of North Star in mind. It is because, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get wrapped up in in moments, right, from time to time, where where that's certainly not inside. You just want them to do what you ask them to do when you ask them to do it. But absolutely, at the end of the day, no. Like, I don't want my son if he's asked to do something that is against who he is or his values. I want him to stop and consider, it. and I don't want him to even. Even though somebody may be a big figure in his life, I don't fully want him to just take them at their word. I'm looking for that trust level where, yeah, I I want you to question what you've been asked to do. But also, uh, at the same time, I want to make sure our relationship is growing in a way that says, I have earned your trust and you have earned my trust. And there are times I'm going to need you to just hear me. You always get to make the decision whether you go left or right, but I need you to hear me because when we get down the road and we get into some bigger decision, life decisions, right? I want our relationship to be strong enough that even when he's being really selfish, he can hear me and then maybe turn and take some advice from either myself or other family friends or, you know, trusted figures in his life. 
No, absolutely. And that that goes back to what we were talking about. I mean, you need to be, you know, if you want to have a teenager who's open with you, who you can talk to, who feels comfortable talking to you, you need to have a 12-year-old who does. You need to have a 10-year-old who does and a 7-year-old, and a five, right? And of course, it's going to go in waves and, you know, up and down. But the more you can cultivate that, I think, at a young age and continue cultivating it, that's the, the goal. And that's how you most likely get through those teenage and, and other years. I think that's well said. I like seeing that picture in my mind. Yeah, if, if we're growing this now and we keep growing this at 8 and 10 and 12, yeah, that gives me some focus, some intentionality when I, I sit in there and think about that and also challenge. How are you going to keep connecting with your son? Do I need to learn new skills or do I just also need to be showing up and make sure that he knows I'm, I'm there? No, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think it is showing up. And I think it's also, you know, following their lead. You don't know what your kids are going to be into, but if you can be into it with them and capture their hobbies. I mean, as a teenager, I was really into music and I think my dad liked the same music, but he acted like he did. We went to concerts together. He flew me, you know, we flew places together and that was about creating memories you know, that was very intentional, but following my lead, you know, so I think that's a lesson I learned is, you know, follow the lead of your kids. And, you know, that I have ideas what I want to do. Hey, do you want to build Legos? And sometimes, yeah, but others it's, hey, do you want to play family? Like, not really, but. <laughs> but I'm in. Yes. Yeah, I do want to play family. I don't say they're not, I don't say they're not really out loud. <laughs> sometimes I do. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I do say, hey, no, that's not my preference. But for you, yeah, I'll jump in. I'll do something that's outside my norm. And I think I, I highlight that every now and then. One, just because maybe I beat before I think. And two, in a way, like I want him to know that with his friends, he doesn't always want to do what his friends want to do. But if you want to spend time with your friends, sometimes you're just going to need to jump in and it doesn't have to be your way. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's another lesson where it's, I didn't like how you were acting earlier and you get caught up in that and say, oh man, like my, this isn't how I want my child acting. And, but we all act like that, you know, and as if we're aware, and again, if we model, I think ourselves and if we're nice people and you know, that's how our kids learn. I appreciate that. I want to go back to your dad and you and music for a moment. You've become a huge music lover, right? Over your life, you have been, you are. Do you think that'd be the same if he didn't jump in with you and join you along that ride, slash encourage you and support you, right? Because you you couldn't have done those trips maybe on your own or or without funding, um. right? You know, that was a little bit later, but I think you're asking a great question because the love of music was able to be cultivated at our home, you know, which back then was a little different. We had we had compact discs, we had CDs and this, you know, crazy CD player. And now this is an amazing aspect of technology. Everyone here can have any kind of music, you know, so access to music isn't an issue. But yeah, and actually that's kind of an interesting one because I had compact discs that I had access to, but they were, you know, cultivated by my parents. So it was like the Beatles and the Beach Boys and some classical, but if they were exclusively classical, for example, I probably wouldn't have been as interested. So yeah, it raises another question. It's harder to cultivate, but you could do that through playlists and whatnot. But also, as we know, all that information, all that content is out there and our kids are going to discover it. And that's where we started with, with you being a disciple, a teacher or not. Your kids are learning. So 
how do you get involved with that learning kind of at every level, right? To music appreciation, to arts appreciation, to what they're learning in school, to how they treat others. That's simple. What's the answer, Chris? Yes, Will, I have shown up here because I have all the answers. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I do not, but I do like having leaders in my life who I'm growing towards as a wonderful part of life is getting to have that type of relationship. So I think really just being willing to enjoy the things that are around you, being willing to jump in with others when they're excited about something. You're like, yeah, let's go. Let's let's learn. Let's do more. And when you find things, being willing to share them. I love listening to Christian music. like, And I think it's a really neat time in Christian music right now. I think uh, you have all these different artists coming in and I, I feel like sharing a message with the voice, with the sound, that's just, it's a new piece in time. And so I love rocking out to some Christian music with Branson and that passion. I think he takes it in and he finds songs that he really enjoys. And then he comes back to me. He's like, hey, listen to this one. And getting to have that playfulness back and forth, whether it's I led there or whether he led there, you know, I think is both good. I do have interests. I am a person like I can share those interests. And when you're really down to it, like it's a lot of fun to share what you love. It just is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when you see what they love, it's also back to the family, you know, do I want to play family? Do I want to, you know, it's not the activity. And I think this is key. It's it's who you're spending the activity with, you know, and that's a big lesson. And again, that's where, you know, you want to raise a helper, as you said, and you're a helper. You're someone who, you know, people know you you can count on. And that's how, because you're not focused on, you know, if I say, hey, can you help Chris? You're not saying with what? You're saying yes, because I want to help my friend. And I think that goes with fatherhood. Not always easy to think about, but to me, that's kind of a helpful way to think about it. Yeah, I would say that's a great way to think about it. We're kind of up to our time limit. Do you have a closing thought or anything or just one other thing you want to discuss? No, I don't think I have a whole lot more to add. I have had a lot of fun chit-chatting. And I feel like these talks, whether you're having them with your spouse or a good buddy, for me, they, they bring passion back in. Because every day at the end of the day, we are worn out. When everybody's asleep at, let's say, 8, 8.30, I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. It's been a day and it's easy to just get in the rhythm of I'm exhausted and I'm a little bit annoyed about this and this keeps happening. But taking these moments to think, okay, what tools do I have? What is working? What isn't working? This brings passion back into, okay, hey, what could I work on this week as a dad? Could I just be more playful? Could I stop nagging my son? Hey, maybe I shouldn't nag him. Maybe I should try to take a different approach on that. Could I just for one week try my best to lead by example and not actually ask anyone to do anything, but maybe they could just see me and then we could next week build on top of that and be like, hey, come join me. This is good stuff. We can do it together. I love that. I like those challenges. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. Thank you, Will. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you haven't joined us yet, go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. And do you know a friend who might like this podcast? Send it on. We want to help as many dads as possible make fatherhood count. Dad on. Yeah.